This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hey, this is Chuck Huber, Dr. Leonard McCoy from Star Trek Continues. I'm a doctor, not a DJ. But I know that you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is episode number 36. Um, I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and joining me as he does every single episode. I know, I, I honestly can never wait for this part. It's my favorite part. He's a man that can name that game show theme in one note. He's the melodically trivial Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. How can game shows be melodically trivial? No, you are, not the game show. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here as always. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. As you, that's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Very, very well. Uh, belated anniversary wishes to you and your bride. I hope you guys Thanks. have had a great weekend. We have had a great weekend. We've had a great 12 years. Looking forward to many, many more. Uh, I appreciate it very much. I appreciate your post on the Facebook page. We had a great day yesterday, and uh, it's always special. Isn't it's it? A, it is, and it's amazing that she hasn't found a way to bury your body after all this time, quite oh, frankly. believe me, there have been stories, because we live in Maine. She, has, she used to have to travel up to northern Maine for her job every once in a while, and she says that she had trees on the road picked out from with to hang my body. <laughs> so I thought that was always interesting. So that's why I never travel up north with her. I can't say as I blame you. Some of those townships up there don't even have names. They just have numbers. Yep. T-37 or something like that. It's like a Borg designation. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Dan, it's a, um, it's a wet and dreary and raw autumn weekend here in New England. And what better thing to do than to curl up on the sofa with somebody you love and binge watch some Next Generation? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, isn't it? Uh, Next Generation or curling up on the sofa with someone you love? Um, Well, in your case, it's probably watching Next Generation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're going to have a good time talking TNG. We haven't really given TNG a whole lot of love since we started the podcast. You know, it's really amazing to me. We've talked a lot about DS9. We've talked a lot about... uh, Voyager here and there, which really kind of surprises me. Although we'll probably have to give Voyager this treatment at some point. (laughs) That'll be a fun episode. I'll be sick that day. Like a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> just kidding before we get to uh to diving in on star trek the next generation though we did want to talk about some current news items didn't we yeah we did we got a few news items this week it's been a busy star trek week so to speak <laughs> well you, i see what you did there you made a little rhyme a little rhymey <laughs> well then uh f- first up it looks like star trek beyond has wrapped principal photography and which means uh, they are now heading into the post-production phase. So no more shooting, obviously, unless maybe there's some retakes or, or some retooling. But uh, now it heads to, to editing and things like that. So that's kind of exciting. It's very exciting. Two things. First of all, whenever we talk about this movie, we have to say it like that. From now on, that is a rule. It is now in the bylaw of the Trek Geeks podcast. Um, so you want to look that up. Second, Zachary Quinto was quoted in an article this week saying how amazingly oh, what was the actual quote how amazing it was to be uh to film star trek beyond he thought it was he thought it was a great experience amazing experience that's what he said quote unquote you know he also um made some people question whether or not he was going to return to the role i mean he sent out a tweet that was a little ambiguous and then people seized on that like what are you, what are you talking about he's like whoa 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 hey, everything's good <laughs> it's like Is- hey i'm signed on for a fourth one isn't social media great? Isn't it? <laughs> so has it? Uh, it's good to know that they're on schedule with Star Trek Beyond, and that they're heading to uh, to post now. Um, it's it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there, there's been so much set news that some of these locations right. have made us scratch our heads. Quite frankly, yep. I'll be very interested when the very first teaser trailer comes out, like with the ones that's only like 15 seconds long and just has a quick little blurb. I always love those, so I'll be looking for that. You would think that that would start like sometime around Christmas if they hold true to schedule. Yep, I hope so. Because the last time there was a James Bond movie released, um, or not the not the last one, but the one before it, I guess, uh, Quantum of Solace, they had the teaser for Star Trek 09. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to the theater just to see that. Yep. Granted, I yep. love James Bond, but... So we'll see if they drop something special this this winter, hopefully. We'll see. I hope. Dan, up next in news, it looks like there's an update for or several updates with regard to Star Trek Renegades. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of updates came out over the last couple weeks. There's been a bunch of casting updates, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, there's going to be a new Kickstarter for Renegades coming up very soon. I think it's days away, isn't it? I think it's the 28th of October. Okay, so yeah, days away. Um, of course, they'll be raising some uh, some money for their next couple of episodes. Um, which kind of bleeds into the second piece of news with Renegades, and that's uh, your buddy, your pal, Walter Koenig. Take it away, Bill. <laughs> My pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Walter Koenig has announced that the, the next two episodes will highlight the retirement of his portrayal of Pavel Chekhov. So after these two episodes of, of Renegades, no more Chekhov for the rest of time. Um, I, I'm okay with this. I, I know you are. Well, not because I hate Chekhov, but I mean, there's just there's no reason for that character to be in this series, quite frankly. Right. And you got to wonder how they're going to do it. Is it going to be a retirement, or are they going to shock the Star Trek world by having something happen to him bad, deadly? Will, will it be much of a shock though? Because we know that they're going to end. You know, the, the character's coming to his his final episodes, final performances. And- so if they kill off the character, is it really shocking at this point? Anytime you kill off a TOS character, it's going to be shocking, I think, regardless of who it is. Even in a web series? 
Sure. Why not? Because okay. it's him. It's the guy who played him originally. So I would say it would be a shock. If it is, in fact, an on-screen death, we are at least hoping that it's better than Captain Kirk's in Star Trek Generations yes. with Bridge on the Captain. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So, Dan, Don't even want to talk about that. I know. So <laughs> there have been it's at least you know four or five or six announcements with regard to casting for Renegades this week. And a lot of names that are incredibly recognizable. Very recognizable. Um, it, we'll get to the, my opinion on it in a second. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of Deep Space Nine alumni in there. Uh, Ciroc, who played Jake Sisko, of course. Uh, Lofton. Lofton? Lifton. Lofton. Lofton, yep. Um, is, has signed on. And he will actually play Jake, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Robert Beltran who played Chakotay and Voyager, as we all know, has signed on, and he will reprise the role of Chakotay, uh, Captain Chakotay. Can you even say that? No, no, wait a minute. Because it's Voyager and they give promotions for no reason, he's probably Fleet Admiral by now. Well, but they do and they don't because poor Harry Kim is probably still an ensign. <laughs> yep. Um, we already know from a few weeks back that uh, our, our good friend Terry Farrell has already signed on, but I don't think she'll be playing Dax. <laughs> you think? That'd be a good trick. <laughs> yep. And uh, we found out also Aaron Eisenberg is, has signed on and he will play Nog. And it'll be great to see what happens because, as we all know, when Deep Space Nine ended, he was given a promotion uh, in Starfleet. So let's see how far along he's gotten. We know that he's a captain in the Star Trek Online game. So right. we'll see what happens there. Some good names. Some some good names, although it, it concerns me that you know we talked about this when we reviewed Renegades. Absolutely. They've got all this talent and really not much material for that talent to bind it all together. But they made an announcement with regard to that this week, too, didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, Melinda Snodgrass, who did some uh, writings for Star Trek The Next Generation, has signed on. And we are I'm, we're both very hopeful that she will bring to Renegades what we both felt was missing in the first uh, episode of it. Because as we said, you can have every single actor on the face of the earth on the show. But if the story is bad, it's not going to matter. So we're hoping, as we said when we reviewed Renegades, we're hoping that the future episodes make us change our mind on it, or my mind at least. Um, and I think that having her sign on is a step in the right direction. You know, Melinda Snodgrass is a wonderful and amazing writer. You know, her first episode for TNG was The Measure of a Man. And that is by far one of, if not the best episode of season two. You know, where, where Data's very state as, as, a, as a person is put on trial. Um, she does phenomenal work. And honestly, it makes me want to give Renegades a second chance. So, we'll Oh, see. absolutely. I, I've, I've wanted a second chance for Renegades since we did our review. I just, we just hadn't heard anything that would make us think that it would be different. This makes me think it can be different. Now, if you tie together those big names with a good story, it could really – it could wipe the slate clean in my mind as to what we saw for the first episode. But it's a wait and see. Well, that's really all we can do. I believe that she'll turn in a product that is worthy of the Star Trek name, hopefully more so than the pilot was. I, I trust Melinda Snodgrass. I think that's really what it boils down to. Okay. So, Good. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, we also got some big news for our favorite uh, – 
Star Trek continues. We got some casting news, don't we, Bill? We sure do. It looks like uh, they have signed or signed. <laughs> They've got their their big guest star for episode six, which I guess is going to start shooting in the very near future. And it looks like it's going to be Gigi Edgeley from Farscape, which was a long running series on the Sci Fi Channel. I think it went about seventy five episodes or so. So I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. She is a fan favorite at conventions that she goes to. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what character she's going to play and how it fits in. Cause obviously we know nothing about the story. Right, um, right. But based on their prior outings, I'm willing to believe it's going to be something really interesting. Right. It's, they always do a good job with their guests uh, uh, on the show. The one that always stands out for me is Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. That one that for, in Lalani, it was just great to, when he beamed in and it, there he was in green again. So I'm, It'll be interesting to see. Is she going to be a crew member? Is she going to be an alien? Is I'm sure she'll play a critical role. So, yeah, that's. I'm hoping that starts filming sometime in the near future because now that we've watched episode five, I just want episode six, like, right now. Oh, I know what you mean. And Well, you know, she played an alien in Farscape. So, I mean, this is definitely inside her wheelhouse. I'm just curious as to what it's going to mean for the story. You mm-hmm. know, we, I've got trust that it's going to be good. I'm just really curious now to see how it's going to come together. I really yeah. am. Because yeah. she's a she's a wonderful actress and I can believe the script is is you know going to be you know highlighting of her talents significantly. Can't so, wait. Can't uh, wait. Can't wait. And Dan, lastly, you know, on a a bit of a more somber note, you and I would be remiss if we didn't point out that this weekend marks the 24th anniversary of the death of Gene Roddenberry. So it was back in 1991. They were actually uh, in production on the Next Generation episode Hero Worship when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I remember where I was still to this day. I was in Denver, Colorado. I was uh, I just barely moved there. I, I went there in September of 91. And you know this happened in, obviously, October um, 24th. 24th, yeah. And uh, I saw it on the news, and immediately I was on a conference call, you know, because we're you know, the uh, uh, back then it was either 9X or Bell Atlantic had the conference call feature. Oh, sure. I had several friends call me up, and we all got on the phone, and we were, you know, essentially, you know, sad and, and bummed out, and we were talking about it together and talking about our favorite moments of Star Trek. Um, and, you know, it, I'm always forced to think of the time I met Gene. Which, you know, I wish now in hindsight that I had made a little more of that moment. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I still got to do something a lot of fans never got to do one-on-one. So do you recall where you were when you heard the news? Here's here's something that you're probably going to be surprised about. I've been racking my brain. I cannot recall what I was doing when the news came out. I've been trying to figure out. I cannot remember it. Maybe I blocked it out. I have no idea. (laughs) But – Unfortunately, and I feel bad that I don't, but I don't. I mean, I'll tell you right. I'll always remember where I was when Leonard passed away, um, but I just I don't I don't recall that day. Interesting. Well, then let's approach this from a different angle. Then, how do you think Gene would feel about the state of Star Trek today? That's a tough question because there's so much there's so much good Star Trek out there, and there's so much bad Star Trek out there. Um, and then you have the whole what the corporate owners of Star Trek are doing. I think the product that has been put out, as as everyone knows, and there's there's people that are going to hate me for what I'm about to say. I like what JJ did. I've always liked what JJ did. 
Um, yeah, they're action movies, but I see Star Trek in there. Um, I think he would like the reboots. I, he may have some issues with some of the things, but I think he would like it. Um, I think that if he were to look at at some of the fan uh, productions versus others, he'd be very disappointed in some and very proud of others. Um, so I think it would be a mixed bag of of, how, of what he felt the state of Trek was like today. I think you're probably onto something there. I think that he would look at some of these independent and fan productions and at least be very satisfied that the spirit of Star Trek was still very much alive, mm-hmm. even if the product the studios were turning out weren't necessarily what he thought they should be. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't think that he really would have dug what J.J. did. Yes, there is some Star Trek in there. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this before, and perhaps <laughs> we'll do a future episode on just J.J. Trek. Yep. But I um. You know, considering that he didn't really even like Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, or Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, mm-hmm. I have to believe that he really wouldn't like Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness. Interesting. You know, okay. he was at odds with Nick Meyer over both of those films that he directed, particularly because mm-hmm. he didn't like the more militaristic depiction of Starfleet. He mm-hmm. hated Star Trek too, But yet it's considered by almost every single Trek fan, you know, that... Yep. That, that loves those movies as the best Star Trek movie right. uh, of its time. So, yep. I, um, yep. I, I think that he would really be impressed by what people who love the property are putting out. I really do. I think he would, I think he would also be impressed with that. It's been 50 years and it's still as strong as it is, which has got to tell him something about what his vision was. Well, and I think that, and that it's growing. I mean, you yeah. and I noticed this when we went to the convention in Las Vegas this year. There were a lot of kids. Kids. And I mean, everything from, you know, infant and toddler all the way up to teenager mm-hmm. and doing cosplay and, and wearing Trek shirts and, and meeting the actors and, and, you know, getting autographs. And there's this, you know, a, a lot of people are concerned that, you know, the, the franchise fans are getting older, but there definitely is youth in the pipeline, as it were. Right. We've got a deep would- bench. Yeah, I, I agree with that very much. Um, and it's it's I don't see it slowing down anytime soon either. All of the one of the things with with these genres that people love so much is is when the when the parents are involved in it, when the kids come along, the parents are going to show the kids and they're going to start liking it and then they're going to show their kids and then they'll tell two friends and so on and so on. It's so like on. a commercial and so on and so on. <laughs> Well, I know one thing is for certain, you know, I, I'm sure you feel this way. I know that I still, I still miss Gene, mm-hmm. you know, he was this, he was this presence and yep. whether he was still actively producing the show or not, or whether he'd stepped away, he, he is Star Trek, yep. you know, there, there's I, none of this without him and his efforts. Um, and so I, I, he, he is the great bird of the galaxy and he always will be. He will. I do remember what I was doing the day that they launched his ashes into space on the shuttle Columbia, I believe it was. Oh, really? Yeah. What were you doing? kind of weird. I don't remember the day he passed away, but I remember the day that he went in the space shuttle. Okay. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> what were you doing? I was watching it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, this is the one where Gene Roddenberry's ashes are going to be. So I watched the launch. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, Dan, let's move on from news and into the meat of today's episode, since we mentioned Star Trek The Next Generation earlier. Um, And Gene, I mean, as we talk about TNG, we kind of have to acknowledge that before it ever aired, there was a lot of early negative fan reaction. Mm -hmm. 
There yeah. were a lot of people who were like, if this doesn't have Kirk and Spock, then it doesn't have me. Were you one of those people? No, I was. I was one of those that was like, oh, this is. I was. I was nervous about it being so far in the future from the original series, but I was excited for it. Um, I mean, even though we love watching those original episodes over and over and over and over again, I was ready for something, some new stories. Um, and I was excited about this. I was, I was a little nervous, like I said, about it being in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was very excited for it. I remember where I was when that first aired too. Um, where were you? I was in Colorado. Interesting. Yeah. I was in Colorado. I was at a dorm, uh, and, uh, um, the person that uh, was at the school had TV, and we sat on the floor and watched the whole uh, the whole episode. That's interesting. That um, it actually premiered the weekend of my birthday in 1987. There you go. Um, I was one of those people that had early negative reaction, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as more details came out, and I started seeing cast photos. I was <laughs> not impressed with a bald guy as the captain. <laughs> And I thought that the it's like well the only person I recognize is the guy with the banana clip on his eyes. Yeah, and I, see, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Well, it, they were like on all the Cheerios boxes back then before they came out, and uh, and they mentioned you know that that said it was you know I remember it vividly. Lieutenant JG Jordy LaForge, and then said Lavar Burton in parentheses. I'm like, wait, they got the guy from Roots? Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, but. I do remember that it premiered on my birthday, and at the time, I was living in Guilford, New Hampshire with my parents. I, I just turned 18 that day. It was on that night, yeah. and the Boston affiliate, uh, the Boston ABC affiliate, preempted the network schedule to show the two-hour encounter in Farpoint premiere, wow. which I thought was not a statement of confidence in ABC's programming on Saturday night. <laughs> probably agree with that in fact it was a very short-lived series on abc called once a hero and it was canceled several weeks later wow (laughs) um and so (laughs) so star trek the next generation began um it didn't get off to a good start did it no not at all as and we can say that about any of the spinoffs um all of the spinoffs in my opinion the first season if not the first two seasons just not good not very good at all. Yeah, you know, I went back recently and started rewatching some select episodes in seasons one and two, and there are some decent stories among all of the junk that's there. Yeah, it's, I, it's and that's great. a good way to put it. Junk. Some of them are just bad. Code of Honor. <laughs> yeah, Code of Honor. Naked Now. Terrible. Naked Now. Yeah, that was just a steal of an original series episode, and it was poorly done. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> there were some funny moments in that show but i don't yeah. think it's the episode you lead with you know the first month of the series right exactly and and i think what they were doing there was purposely trying to pull in fans of the original series by tying an episode back to something that took place during tos i agree um yeah. it's interesting to go back now and watch william shatner's chaos on the bridge documentary mm-hmm. because now we get to learn a lot of the underpinnings of what went on to get that show on the air and it's almost miraculous that that show ever made it one yeah. season, let alone seven. Yeah. Hasn't there been some um, uh, that's not true discussions about what Chaos on the Bridge has been showing lately? I forget who said something, but I thought somebody said that it's not accurate. We were in Vegas, and I forget who was on the stage at the time, but somebody had mentioned that some of that didn't happen. Yeah. Interesting. I don't believe. Was it Patrick? 
I don't remember. Yeah. I, yes, I think it was Patrick. I think you're right. Yep. I think it was during the when the some of the TNG crew were on stage. You during the uh, the Good Morning America thing, and um, yeah. Patrick talked about that, and he also talked about his meeting with the studio head, mm-hmm. you know, and how there was really just one meeting. Um, it wasn't a series of them, and it wasn't because Patrick was upset necessarily. Right. Um, I think the thing that that really is interesting to me as I, I progress through, because I'm watching them all over again on the on the Blu-rays. Yeah. And I have to say that watching Next Gen on Blu-rays is like watching it again for the first time, because everything is so much more clear, and there are details mm-hmm. I just didn't notice before. Interesting. Um, but I noticed definitely that season three changed that series. Oh yes, from yep. top to bottom. Yep. You know whether it was the lighting or the filming, or the uniforms, but more importantly, the overhaul of the writing staff, and we mm-hmm. get incredible stories that season three. Yeah, and, and it's funny you you say that season three was the 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 game changer for TNG. My thing that I always noticed and what I love was how they changed the uniforms. That was the thing, as small as that may have been in terms of the big picture. That was the one that. They looked awesome, though. Instead of those jumpsuits, which I could not stand, but for some reason they always kept most of the female crew members in those jumpsuits. I always <laughs> thought that was a little weird. But the the new uniforms were 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 great, and it was one of the things that stood out to me the most. You're right. The lighting, the filming, the special effects got so much better starting in season three, um, and from there, of course, the underlining story is what the important thing is. That's when the storytelling really took off in season three. You know, there are so many great episodes in season three. There are a few dogs. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. There are every some season that, had dogs. Every season had dogs. Yep. But you get into stories that are just, you know, real Star Trek. Yep. You know, everything from, um, a, from the, the beginning and evolution through the essence of command into like the defector, which is one of my all time favorite episodes. Um, Deja Q comes along, um, you know, the fan favorite yesterday's enterprise, the offspring, which was the first episode of star Trek that ever made me shed a tear, quite honestly, especially when you get to the end, um, you get sins of the father, you get uh, tin man, you get hollow pursuits, which is a great, you know, has a great comedic elements and Sarek, Sarek. Yep. And then you come into the two parter that changed television. Yes, we've talked about that uh, a few times. This was the first time that we actually had a cliffhanger to the degree that we had it with the best of both worlds. Uh, it was, We'll get into best of both worlds a little later, actually. But that was one where you're watching it. And I remember I watched – I watched the uh, – before Best of Both Worlds came on that first time, before that was on, they showed the Q episode where he brought the Borg to the – or he brought the Enterprise to the Borg. After that was on, get ready to watch Best of Both Worlds. That was one of the first times I can remember when that final scene happened where I just screamed at the television yeah. because it just faded to black to be continued. Yeah. you got to be kidding me. And the music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not like today. We had to wait the whole summer. Right. And that was painful. As good as it was, that was painful when that first happened. And you're right. That changed the face of television. It wasn't the first cliffhanger ever to be done. I mean, we're not saying it was that. The best. It no. was by far the best and most effective. Yep. Because you truly yep. had no idea how it was going to resolve. Mm-hmm. And then over the summer, you heard rumors. You know, was Patrick Stewart going to be back? You know, was there going to be a casting shakeup? 
yep. you know, could this mean a, a fundamental change on, on Star Trek The Next Generation? And it just, you know, kept our our anticipation for that part two, the season premiere of season four, you know, all that much more in mind. It's yep. like, oh my God, oh my God, I got to see this. It certainly didn't feel like it was only uh, three months, did it? No, it really didn't. It. It Best of Both Worlds premiered on June eighteenth, nineteen ninety, and Best of Both Worlds Part Two was on September twenty fourth of the same year. It felt like years. It did. Well, because then they had also rerun episodes from that season during yeah. the, the hiatus. Yep. And they obviously couldn't run them all in order because it was only what uh, twelve, thirteen weeks there. Yep. So they would pick, you know, select ones, and I remember. Right before the premiere, Channel 5 in Boston reran Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Mm-hmm. And it was like watching a, a, a two-hour movie. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you think that the success of TNG, because let's face it, it was enormously successful. Yes. Did it ruin other Star Treks? Was it so good that other series started off behind the eight ball because they were always going to be compared to TNG? Um. Your question to me is twofold. No, it didn't put them behind an eight ball, but yes, they will always be compared to it, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, because DS9, for example, which is my favorite. I like it better than TNG, a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah, it's always going to be compared, but they were able to do things so that it wouldn't be compared eventually to TNG. They started writing stories that were darker and, and it was on the edge of edge of known space, this, that, and the other thing. So they tried to do things that made it different from TNG in a very quick way so that people would forget, would remember that it's in the Star Trek universe, but at the same time know that it's different from what we were used to seeing with TNG. Interesting. Do you think that the movies hurt the next-gen franchise? Uh, the TNG movies? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'd have to say yes, except for First Contact. There's really only one good movie out of four, let's be yeah. honest. Yep, I, yeah, exactly. Generations um, th- was a snoozer. Yep, yep. Best, uh, First Contact was great. Jonathan Frakes did a great job directing that one. Um, it was great to see the Borg on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I was, we talked about teaser trailers a few minutes ago. The first time I saw the teaser trailer where the Star Trek logo was Borgified was <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> I remember you showing that to me. You came over to my cube and go, oh my God, oh my God, you got to see this. You got Get over here now. Get over here. <laughs> yep. Not that I ever did anything outside of business related on the internet when I was at work back no, then. No, no. <laughs> Never. It's not that we had our own unfiltered dial-up connection. No. All right. Nope, not at all. Um, I noticed I said dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> insurrection eh. uh nemesis eh. you know just i liked uh, nemesis the first time i saw it when it was star trek II: the wrath of khan <laughs> now, let's be honest there are just so many parallels between those two movies yeah yeah oh i'm gonna i don't want to do a spoiler but we were talking about my sister donna yeah. earlier yeah. hey donna in star trek nemesis data dies just want to let you know about that. <laughs> that is such a sticking point for her in that movie. She hates that movie because of that. Hates it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was just a ripoff of Spock's death in a sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yep. Data, I get it. He was sacrificing himself. And in that sacrifice, he became ultimately more human than he ever could have imagined. But still, meh. 
Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I don't want to get too much on a tangent with the movies, but yeah. did you feel watching Nemesis that the crew was just bored? The, the, the cast, the actors. I always got the feeling watching Patrick Stewart in that movie that it was – he was just like, okay, okay, we're going to do this scene now. Oh, oh, he's my clone. I just – it looked like he was tired. Except for when he's doing the salsa. <laughs> that was Insurrection. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Well, no, so, yeah, that's the only time I didn't feel like he was bored. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely felt like there was a different energy in – yes in Nemesis. And maybe that had something to do with Stuart Baird being the director. Yeah. Um, he yeah. just didn't understand the franchise or the characters. So maybe that, you know, was a, an underlying current, but yeah, there definitely is something different about Nemesis. Maybe they knew it was the last movie, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that hung, o- it was a cloud hanging over it. But I think, I think mainly it was just the atmosphere on set. It's just, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. It's too bad too, because I love Rob Perlman. Um, and I, I felt that his character was wasted. I feel like the whole idea of the Remans were wasted. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. We can get on it. We can do a whole episode on, on the Romulans and Remans, man. That's like, how do we not know they existed in the 200 years before this? Yeah, absolutely. You know. The cannon fought off of the Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you know, a lot of people talk about their favorites and their not so favorites, but. We thought we'd approach this from a different angle with regard to Next Gen. Mm-hmm. There are fan favorite episodes and there are episodes that people hate. But we thought we'd take a bit of a contrarian view and take a look at the episodes that are primarily liked by people that we just don't like yeah, at all. I think that's a great idea. We'll get, get, the, get the blood boiling from some people, so to speak. Uh, this being near Halloween. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, then <laughs> I'm going to save my best for last, though. I, uh, I will do the same. So, okay. I'm going to start off with Peak Performance. It's a season two episode that generally, yeah, where they're playing Stratagema and <laughs> you know, Armin Shimmerman's in it. And so is uh, David Alander, who played Squiggy and Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's generally not a bad episode, but I just, I hate it because <laughs> it is the ultimate West Trek episode. So the first, uh, here's why I say that. The first two episodes were filled with episode or filled with storylines where Wesley saves the day. And this is among the last of the West Trek episodes, but to me, it's the most grown-worthy. You know, somebody, oh, I've got to go back to the Enterprise and get my experiment. Yeah. And then, (laughs) you know, he essentially outwits the security guy that is assigned to him to follow him. And all of a sudden, you see this little experiment beam into the the Hathaway behind Jordy. It's like, oh, really? (laughs) Really? Did nobody check the transporter coordinates? Come on. Who let the kid run the transporter? <laughs> you know what? Um, you know why I can agree with you on this episode, even though it, I did like it. I didn't dislike it. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Let's put it that way. But you're right about the Wesley. But I, I gotta say, any 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 Star Trek episode that has Doctor Pulaski in it is not going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are lots of Pulaski lovers out there, dude. You're not. Gonna I've hate not well, besides Riker's father. You know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I was just not. I I felt that she was way too negative in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Wow. <laughs> you like that, didn't you, bud? That was good. That was, <laughs> it was so good it made me forget what I was going to say next. <laughs> yeah, I you just know, I felt that you know I understand that Gates wasn't available for that season, so they had to do something. So they brought her in. I don't think 
I don't think she meshed with the cast. I don't know if that came across in her character or not, but I just don't, I don't, she looked, she looked uncomfortable and it looked like she didn't fit in while she was there. So my problem with, my main problem with, yes, uh, not, uh, sorry, with peak performance is that their plan is, hey, we have to shoot photon torpedoes at your ship, Hathaway. So hopefully that two second warp jump you have works. (laughs) It's like, uh, okay. I can't wait to see the mm-hmm. report they write to Starfleet. Yeah, so we decided that we just fire four photon torpedoes at them. Excuse me? That's going to make the insurance rates go through the roof, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I love the way that you dissect an episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, why don't you tell me one of the episodes that are primarily likes for people that you just you, you can't possibly like? Again, my sister's going to not like what I'm about to say when she listens to this, but I I just didn't like Darmok. Really? I just I, I I will be honest, I haven't watched it in a while. But when I think about the episode, it's it's just trying to figure out how to communicate with somebody that you don't understand. Shaka now that's, when the now walls that's, fell. Exactly. Now that's Star Trek because you know you have to learn to work, blah blah blah. But I felt that the creature that was attacking them was was could have been something much more interesting than it was um we could have it would have been interesting to see what it was you know that whole thing i just it's never an episode that has made me if i'm flipping through the stations the through the channels and that's on i won't necessarily stop i'll see that it's on i'll be like okay and i'll just keep scanning channels interesting i i typically will stop for it because i really like the episode quite honestly because it is about you know bridging the differences between people and learning how to to speak a common language. I think it's a greater metaphor. Yeah, the episode is about speaking a metaphor, but I think itself it is a metaphor for essentially can't we all just get along? Yeah, I, I Paul Winfield, the late Paul Winfield, did a fantastic job as his character. Absolutely. Um, but it just it wasn't something that blew me away. Wow. It's one of my sister's favorites, which is why I brought it up. But yeah. When I was when I was sitting thinking about what ones are fan favorites that I just never really grabbed onto, that was the second one that popped into my mind. I'm learning a lot about your taste in episodes and how much you love your sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, after some of the things we said earlier, I gotta really suck up to her. <laughs> I know, don't you? I um the second on my list of three is actually a two part episode for uh episodes that I just really don't care for. And it's the um, it's the Times Arrow cliffhanger and resolution. Interesting. I rewatched it the other day, and it's just not a particularly strong story to me. Okay. It's um, I there's I, I don't think it's a particularly good season cliffhanger because you don't get the sense that something is on the line. And they, to me, I'll, I will agree with that because it seemed like they tried to do something along what they did with Best of Both Worlds and it fell completely flat. Yeah, and then you mix in you know, Mark Twain and Jack London and all these real-world references. Yeah. And Mark Twain's on the Enterprise and it just makes me go, eh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's just to me, it's, I get that people like it because it's a story that's, that's told well to some degree. I just don't like the story. Yep. I didn't care for the snake monsters all that much. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did love is we get to see Mark Limo out of makeup 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and a couple other people, but I, I did like that. And you're right. I, I think that, um, well, there are some good aspects of it. Any time story is always going to pull me in a little bit. Um, interesting, though, that, that it's not, it's one of the ones that you would put on this list. Huh. Yeah, it's just, I think there are so many other stronger episodes that they could have built a two-part arc around that I don't think that Time's Arrow is one of them. Yeah, and I think that this episode convolutes Guinan's character even more than she already was convoluted. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And how could possibly a 500-year-old head work on Data? Because it's Data. Oh, but Data's dead, right, Donna? (laughs) Wow! (laughs) That should be the episode title for this, Data's Dead. (laughs) It won't be, though. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's uh it's funny that you talk about a two parter um for your second choice because mine is also a two parter um and it is Gambit. Oh wow. I was not a fan of that episode at all. I just didn't it never grasped it never did anything for me. I just thought it was I thought it was not good. <laughs> um, I thought that Robin Curtis was completely wasted in that episode playing um the romulan slash vulcan that she played um i didn't i didn't care for it at all i thought it was an okay story but i don't know that it needed to be two parts oh that definitely absolutely it it just made it it just made it long and tedious to me and the whole idea of this this artifact and 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 this and this that and the other thing i it just never it never grew on me at all yeah i thought the resolution of the whole psionic resonator thing was a bit underwhelming yeah yep. but overall i i don't dislike the episode you know i have to say yeah i find okay. it enjoyable it's it's like you said if it were on and i were channel surfing and it was there i i might or might not stop yeah that's one of the ones if i was scrolling through the menu and seeing what episode was on i wouldn't even bother putting it on wow yeah that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, the beginning is kind of cool when he's like, oh, he's dead and he was vaporized, as he says, uh, Picard. Uh, but from there, the story wasn't great. I did like I did like the captain of the um, of the ship that Picard was on. Yeah. He was cool. Um, but other than that, I just I just did not get into it at all. I particularly okay. like the the atmosphere on that ship. I particularly yeah. like that it was essentially a band of pirates, as it were. You know, but Richard Lynch, yeah, just, he's he been great. in hundreds of things over time. Yep. He really was the right person for that role. He was. He, he, if anything, if there's anything that I like about that episode, it's him playing um, Baran, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, Baran. Um, he was actually just, I just saw him the other night. We watched the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween, and he's he's got a very small cameo in that. Oh, no way. Um, yeah, he plays the principal of the school that Michael Myers goes to. He didn't look great. He he's he's getting up there in age, but he he was powerful performer just well, in the minute that he was in minute or two. That had to be not long before he passed away because he he yeah. passed away back in in 2012. Oh yeah, uh, I think that I think it came out in 2010. Okay, something like that. I'll have to double check. But I mean, um, but he yeah. was all throughout the 70s and 80s television, like it's Starsky yep. and Hutch and yeah. T.J. Hooker and Airwolf and the A Team and you name it. Yep. You know what I'm thinking right now when you just brought up what it was like on the bridge of that ship. Um, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? No. Renegades? Um, it does, but I think done better. Oh, abs- oh God. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, thinking about what the what the crew on that ship was like and how the, all the 
everything that was going on. The, when you said that, the first thing that popped into my mind was was Renegades. Interesting. Well, speaking yeah. of things that are bad, <laughs> I know that we're into our last of uh, episodes we, we really just don't dig. And we're both probably going to take a little bit of hate mail for each of these. <laughs> and mine is tantamount to heresy. Because this is probably one of the most loved episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It is a fan favorite on any list you see on the internet. Mm-hmm. So when people list the top ten episodes, this is usually in the top five, almost always in the top three. And the episode I really detest with a passion is Yesterday's Enterprise. The one where they bring back Tashiar. I don't even know who you are anymore. It's not a great story. <laughs> I love the story. It's, I loved it. It's filled it, with holes. But it had so much it had so much to do with what happens in future episodes of TNG. Which was all terrible. <laughs> There's no reason that there should have ever been a Sela who looks like Tasha Yar. Yeah. Because as soon as the timeline reset, Tasha Yar should be dead. But if the timeline didn't necessarily reset correctly. But we know we know it did to some extent because everything some is extent. as it was. There's no reason ex- as soon as she crossed through that threshold, she should have been dead because the timeline was back to normal. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I see. Well, there might have been she maybe she had some kind of temporal holographic coordinationization mation thing on her the armband. Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because me- mission log. This, this was their most recent episode mm-hmm. um, as we talk about this. So it's a great coincidence. And I rewatched yesterday's Enterprise this week. Okay. And I also watched it with the commentary, you know, from like uh, yep. Mike and Denise Okuda and Ron yep. Moore and, and uh, Iris Stephen Bear. And both when the captain of the Enterprise C is killed and both when Riker is killed, they're surrounded by debris that looks like rocks. <laughs> Why are we making starships out of rocks? It's insulation. It's up. It's above the 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 wallpaper and the and the sheetrock. Wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That, the thing in her head didn't look like a rock, though. No, it really didn't look like part of somebody's saw blade. So I just it's I get that it's uh, I get that I'm speaking words that are going to make most next gen fans go nuts. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a great episode. I, I, uh, I, I, let me tell you how much I liked the episode. Please. I liked it so much that when we worked together and this was what, 20 years ago, I started writing a Star Trek novel that I actually left on my PC at that place that we worked. So I, I lost it, but I started doing a novel about, Tasha when she went back through the the portal and and was captured by the Romulans. Really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I never. I got about. I think I got like two and a half chapters in of what I was thinking, and then it just and then it just never. It, I never finished it. But yeah, I I started writing a novel about what happened and how she you know was going to have a baby and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's no way. But let, let's assume that everything in yesterday's Enterprise happened and is is, is good storytelling. There's no way that Tashiar's daughter should have been as old as she was when she made her appearance <laughs> in Next Gen, because the Enterprise C was only destroyed 22 years earlier. <laughs> well, Romulans age faster. 
No. As opposed to no. no. <laughs> that's no. Well, uh, that's interesting, Bill. I, and and you know, I'm going to have to go back and watch it with the dot, with the um, commentary. And I also am very interested in in catching up on Mission Log to see what they say about it. Um, I will say that yeah, I it's... I do love the Enterprise C. Do you? Then I do. you'll love this year's Hallmark Christmas ornament. My wife got it for me, actually. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> a little early, I think, isn't it? No, not if you want to get one. <laughs> but, you know, I believe that, that Rick Sternbach designed that, you know, based on a couple of sources. And it just it really does a nice job of bridging the designs between the movie era of Star Trek and the TNG era of Star yep. Trek. It's a beautiful design. It works. It's what I would have expected the Enterprise D to look like. Because mm-hmm. yep. you know, when we first saw that, I was like, "Really? That's the Enterprise? <laughs> really?" But um, to me, that's really the best thing that comes out of that episode is the design for the Enterprise C. Right. That and Shooter McGavin. That's yes, <laughs> Shooter. Yep. Want to go to Red Lobster, Shooter? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If if people say that you are uh, committing heresy, they are going to burn me in effigy. They really uh, are. Yeah, because um, I did not like Best of Both Worlds Part Two. I'm I'm floored and stunned by this revelation. I felt that after what we got for a cliffhanger and the story leading up to the cliffhanger, that intensity and that oh my god moment and building up to the oh my god moment, what happened in Part Two was just flat. Let's make them fall asleep. I just didn't like it. They could have done so much with the saucer section being separated from the Enterprise. Unbelievable battle. Two different parts of the ship fighting. And what do they do? They lit off some fireworks to distract them. I just didn't I didn't like it. I didn't think that it was strong. You're high right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, I don't I don't know. It's it's never it's it's I, maybe it's because look at it this way: when we saw the preview for oh I don't know, pick out a movie that you think is just going to be unbelievable and it falls flat. That's what Best of Both Worlds was for me. Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> the data dies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a good thing we didn't turn that into a drinking game because we'd both be hammered right about now. <laughs> yeah, it's and I know it's it's. I think as a whole, if you take the whole episode, it's rated probably the top episode ever in Star Trek The Next Generation, if not Star Trek. But I have to separate it out because it it's – and what's interesting is it's the same writer, isn't it? It's yeah, Cliff, Michael Pillar. Yeah. Uh, Michael, Michael Pillar, yes. Same writer. It's as if if it's if he finished the first episode, took the script of the, of episode one, gave it to somebody, and said, "Here, why don't you finish this for me? I got other things I got to work on." Well, originally, I don't believe he was certain whether or not he was staying on the show, so he left this cliffhanger and wasn't even sure he was coming back necessarily, and that and also didn't know how it was going to resolve, and yeah. then ultimately he stayed on and wrote the the other half of that episode. From what I understand, I might have some of that wrong, but. That's how I recall it in my mind. Yeah, I, I just you know, I I did like I did like Riker becoming captain. I didn't I I the the character of um, uh, Shelby. Her mind. Yeah, Shelby was. I mean, she took she went further along in novels, um, but 
this is going to sound mean, but it would have been cool if she was sacrificed somehow. That would have been more interesting to me than what than how it ended with with that episode. I just felt that it was it was it was it was a Voyager episode for me in terms wow. of of how it was and how it wrapped up such an amazing first part. That's a hell of a thing to say. Wow. I, I, I know. You must really hate it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, let's move on to a topic that um, will be a little different. We're going to re- approach this from the reverse angle. Episodes that may not have been popular among fans that we really like. Yeah. And I think okay. this will be a, a an interesting discussion on, on some level. Um, I've picked one that I know people hate beyond words, but I really love the episode. But I'm actually going to start with one that most people could do without because it's senseless, and that's Skin of Evil. Interesting. I really enjoyed that episode, um, partly because in the way the Enterprise crew is forced to deal with Armis. Yep. But also that, you know, it, it set a precedent. It's like none of these characters are safe. Yeah. yeah. Granted, Denise Crosby was leaving. You know, in yesterday's Enterprise... She referenced, you know, Tashi R references that, you know, I had a, a, a meaningless death. I don't think it was meaningless because this is what exploring space is about. It's, it's a risk every time you beam down to a planet or every time you step foot on a starship. And no better way is that demonstrated than when Armis kills Tashi R for no reason. Right. It shows a yep. malevolence, you know, that that next generation normally doesn't highlight or a lot of Star Trek. A lot of Star Trek. And I thought that yeah. it was I thought it was a really decently constructed episode. Yep. And the funeral scene at the end is probably one of the the best crew scenes in all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Just because of the amount of emotion emotion that it evokes. That's interesting. No, I that, that I've always liked it. I know that a lot of people don't like it. Um I thought the Arms character was was really creepy and well done. Um, rising out of that pit whenever he did, yeah. the way he looked, that was that was great. I also know how much fun Jonathan Frakes had when he had to go into that pit. <laughs> He's talked about that several times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I that's that's interesting. And you're right. Now that you think about it, that's the first instance of a Walking Dead where no character is ever safe. Right. Yeah, that's good. I like that analogy, man. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. <laughs> For me, one of the episodes that I think people don't necessarily like that i've always enjoyed is parallels oh wow that whole idea of Worf bouncing between realities and the way that they were able to make subtle changes whether it's to a uniform or to something on the ship um i thought was brilliant and genius writing um and how when the um anomaly opens up and they are getting 285,000 hails from the enterprise <laughs> is mind boggling. Uh, I like how they're able to, you know, figure out which reality is the one that he belongs to. Uh, I like the idea of, of seeing what it's like for a Borg ravaged enterprise with a bearded, crazy Riker in command, trying to destroy him getting or, or destroy the idea of getting him back to Worf getting back to his reality. I thought that was awesome. I really liked it a lot. It's actually an episode I I enjoy. I don't dislike it. I remember Mm -hmm. where I was when I first saw it. I was Mm -hmm. driving home from Colorado, and my father was with me, and we stopped overnight at a motel in Iowa um, to take a break from driving back. And it was on the TV, and he's watching this, and he's like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And there are some fans who ask themselves that very same question with regard to that episode. (laughs) 
but um, it's always been one that I thought was was written well. Yeah, I liked that. You know, I liked many of the same aspects that you did, and mm-hmm. plus, it was a great you know warf feature. You know. <laughs> Great Wharf episode. The one thing that you could probably be like, yeah, about it was this was the first episode that started to hint at a Wharf Troy relationship. Yeah. At the very end where they were going to have dinner together alone instead of the surprise party that he thought was going to happen. Right. Um, I thought that that, I'm, you know, you can talk about Kira Odo, you can talk about Dax and any member of Starfleet. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you're pretty much going to get that romance factor can start to you know, convolute things a little bit. And this was the first time I think that we saw that. You know, it's interesting because I look at my list of ones that I really like a lot. They are all examinations of character that show us in a, uh, that show a character or characters in a place where they've really never been before. Mm -hmm. And so my second episode is family, which is the second episode of the fourth season uh, right after best of both worlds part two where Picard goes home to Labar, France, and loses his mind. I love that episode. That episode is so great because here is this man who is the captain of the Federation flagship, and he makes life-or-death decisions every day and makes first contact with alien species and, and you know, uh, negotiates treaties between warring factions, and he's broken, and he's bruised, and he's battered. And where does he go? but to the one place where he feels the most vulnerable to his, yep. to his brother. Yep. And he cries. Yep. And I remember being so moved by that because you've never seen a starship captain that vulnerable. Very. Yep. There are a yep. lot of people who don't like that episode because it's boring or because of the wharf element, which I think is still very good. It's a great mm-hmm. story. Yep. But for that episode alone, I think that it is one of the best of that particular season. It is I've always loved that episode. One of my favorites. Jeremy Kemp as Picard's brother oh, Robert yeah. Yeah. was so great in that. He is the antagonist and he is the person that Picard wants to beat the crap out of the most. He's the bully older brother that has a chip on his shoulder because Picard was more successful. But when it comes down to it, he is the one that helps Picard get through everything. You know, it was brilliant. The line that gets to me every time was, they took everything I was. Yep. And yep. it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Not only yep. does he feel it, but you know he's going to feel it mm-hmm. forever. Yep. And they don't really yep. touch on that again until first contact and in a very mm-hmm. different way. But it introduced a vulnerability, a humanity to yep. a starship captain that we've never seen before. And that's why I truly love that episode. Yeah, it's great. And and you, you, you touched on it very briefly. I love the Rojenko aspect of it as well. Me too. Um, I think that uh, Theodore Bikel, who just passed away uh, about a month or so ago, I thought he was great as Sergei. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was it was interesting to see the human aspect of Worf come out when his parents were there. Um, I enjoyed that episode a lot. So, yeah. So, well, we agree on that one. Excellent. I like that. Um, for me, the second one that uh, um, may not have been popular from what I've seen and read, uh, but I love, is the game. Really? Oh, my God. How would anybody not want to have one of those things, man? <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed it. It was a – it wasn't a serious episode, although there were serious aspects as in it as in they, you know, they had the possibility of being taken over by an enemy. But the whole idea is corny, and it, it went it, – it, it played very well. Ashley Judd did great as Robin Leffler. 
I thought she was hysterical. Um, I think that episode is is awesome. It's funny. It's it's not one of my favorites, and for a reason you will understand because it's the return of West Trek. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, and it's interesting because that episode actually is 100% relative today if you substitute that game headset for smartphones. Yeah. We're all suffering from that right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm on level 61. <laughs> I need more lives on Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just always liked it. Now, the way that they, you know, they save the day with a blinking light. Eh, yeah, but it's the corny aspect of the episode. I just thought it was good. You tend to like those episodes, though. I yeah, mean, I do. You know, the cornier the better sometimes because you yeah. appreciate the value in those among yep. all the heavy seriousness. So I, I can understand yep. that at some level. Anytime you have to get a flying Frisbee into a tube, it's, <laughs> it's got to be a good thing. Oh, man. Game graphics have come so far in the past, haven't they? <laughs> yes. Yep. All right, man. What's your third one? My third one is probably going to make a lot of people scratch their heads, much like my hatred of yesterday's Enterprise. And I have to say the third episode that I truly, truly like is Frame of Mind. Wow. It's because it's for a couple of reasons. We see both Riker and Jonathan Frakes challenged in a way that we never see in Star Trek. For Riker... You know, he's always the guy with the answer. He's the guy that's first on the away team. He's, you know, the he's the, the dashing first officer. He's the guy who gets it done. And he, in this episode, he's helpless. Yeah. He's trapped. Yeah. He's in an environment that would make any of us go crazy. And he truly is being driven crazy. Mm-hmm. And with regard to Frakes, it is the biggest stretch for him on this series that we have ever seen. He's gotten to play other types whether in you know, holodeck recreations or, you know, um, impersonating other aliens. But we truly see him stretch as an actor in this episode. And I yeah. think the whole story, both for Riker and for Jonathan, is really well told. To the point where at the end, you totally understand why he has to tear that set down himself yep. for that closure. Yep. I think it's, you know, people give it a lot of grief saying that it's just, it's it's unwatchable. I think completely the opposite. If that's on, I will stop and I will watch it because Frakes is phenomenal in that episode. Huh, that's very interesting. I do like the fact that you don't know which reality, which reality, if it's the real reality going on at the time. Yeah. Especially near the end when it gets – when more and more, you know, with, where the whole screen shatters and uh, that aspect of it I always thought was kind of cool. It's a confusing episode if you – don't watch it from the beginning. Yes. I guess maybe is is a good thing to say. Yes. But I will I will agree with you one hundred percent on Frakes and his ability to act as insane as he looks. He's bewildered. So oh, truly it's bewildered. A great job. And it fits both for Riker and for Jonathan. I really yeah. think he knocked it out of the park. And honestly, I don't think that that Frakes gets enough credit not only for that episode but for Riker in general because Riker is an incredibly layered character. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Cool. Now, have you seen have you seen a lot or read a lot online about how people don't like that episode? Uh, I've talked to people who hate it. Yeah. I've read okay. online that the people generally don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I on some level, I guess I can understand why, because yeah. it's more of an examination of of craziness than it is of, right. of alien culture right. on some level. But huh. I, I think the best stories are about us, and it says a lot about mental health. It says a lot yeah. about. It says a lot about us, I think. Yeah. And Interesting. I, I just, I, I love that episode. I really do. All right. 
Excellent. Well, my uh, my final uh, jump into this um, with something that I loved what the populace might not have was Shades of Grey. No, I'm just kidding. I really hated that episode. <laughs> um, I have to say that my last one would be A Fistful of Datas. Another corny, wow. fun episode. Um, I like the episodes that break away from the serious nature of what they're doing out in space and, and meeting new worlds. It's kind of a, it's kind of a breakaway episode for me. I love the idea of it being the ancient West instead of the old West, because we're, you know, in the future now. And, and I just thought it was great. I love the musical score for that episode to make it sound like it really was Western with harmonicas and, and the enterprise riding off into the sunset for that final scene. It was fun. And it doesn't have to be an episode that has repercussions later on down the road like so many episodes of of Star Trek do. It was just a standalone episode, a holodeck episode that was enjoyable. It was funny. I hope I never see Brent Spiner as a woman again dressed up like that because that was very scary. Um, but it's it was good. And see, you're, you're laughing over there. So I know that you thought it was good, too. <laughs> it's it's only dwarfed by seeing Armin Shimmerman as Quark as a woman <laughs> in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, um, no, it just it, it worked for me. I like the idea of 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 the um, malfunction that caused Data to replicate as different characters. I like the idea of the holodeck safeties being disabled. Um, Data or, or Brent Spiner had to do a lot of different things in that episode, and he was able to pull it off, playing you know the mean villain or playing the you know not so with it son, uh, the 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 guy the uh, guy with the Mexican hat with the with the shotgun on the roof. He did them all really really well, and I think that's a tribute to Brent as an actor, um, being able to play. I think maybe there were seven or eight different characters that he ended up playing in that holodeck. Uh, episode um and i thought he did good he was able to be mean and he was able to be funny with different characters i think it was nice because brent got to chew some scenery as it were mm-hmm. you know just totally ham it up on some level and then yep. and then really play the the mustache twirling villain and others yeah um yeah it's not one of my favorites i do like that they found a creative way to have troy participate yep i like yep. that she kind of likes westerns that's a, an aspect yes. of her character i think is interesting Yep. Um, but I also think that it, it lends more to that later Wharf troy romance that we all want to, you know, try to uh, deny true. happened. That's true. You know, in my world, it's kind of like the Star Wars Christmas special. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it did. And this Christmas, you're going to find out just how much it did. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Um, well, I think that's an interesting look. I'm sure people will have feedback on that. Um, we're interested to hear what your favorite and not so favorite episodes were, or maybe even the ones that are contradictory like ours. Um, but for now, we do have a message from our sponsor. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to listeners of the Trek Geeks podcast so you can check out their service. You can select your free audiobook from over 150,000 titles in Audible's library. And if you're interested in Star Trek titles, you might even check out one of these currently available on Audible.com. Imzadi, Spectre, The Return, Sarek, and my favorite, The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks for your free audiobook. 
And we would like to thank Audible.com for sponsoring our episode. Dan, it looks like we have some feedback from our Enterprise episode. Um, we got uh, a note on Facebook, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, always good to hear from everybody. Um, from anybody, I should say. Um, Alan uh, posted on our Trek Geeks uh, Facebook page uh, a couple weeks ago after our Enterprise episode, as you mentioned. He said, quote, Enterprise was never a true Star Trek series because it showed no regard for canonized Star Trek history. If it were to be accepted, then several episodes could never have occurred, including A Piece of the Action on TOS, Balance of Terror on TOS, The Masterpiece Society from TNG, and Metamorphosis from TOS, among several others. The only way it could be accepted as part of the Star Trek universe is a part of J.J. Abrams' new movie, Alternate Universe, which is completely separate from the TV universe. Otherwise, it's a sci- it's sci-fi, but it's not Star Trek, says Alan. Uh, Bill, what do you what do you think of that? Um, I I think that in responding to him, and and genuinely, I thank Alan for for his note on Facebook. Yes, yeah. Um, I did reply to him a, a little bit, but you know, it's, it's one of those cases where we have to agree to disagree. But to use Carol Marcus's words, I cannot and will not subscribe to your interpretation. Um, it is <laughs> like it or not, it is canon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. And CBS is the ultimate arbiter of what that is. It's it's a prequel. There is some retcon going on. But to say that other episodes could never have happened because of the events of Enterprise, I just don't accept as true. I have to agree. It's it's one of those. Uh, and, and I, too, appreciate Alan um, sending the note on Facebook. But I don't agree with it either. Um, just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not canon. If we don't like it fine. We don't like it. But like you said, CBS has said, this is official. This is canon. It's canon, whether you like it or not. And we've talked about retcon and and some of the things that can cause people to have a problem with it. I have never been of the opinion that Enterprise was not canon. I always felt it has been. It's It's sort of along the lines of, I can't stand the first three episodes or the first three movies, Star Wars movies, Phantom Menace and so on. So they're not official Star Wars canon. That's just not the case. And I think the same is here with Enterprise. You know, I think in some sense we take canon too seriously. We've talked about oh, that hey. in the past. Yep. Um, and there is, you know, the, the concept of head canon that I know the Axonar guys talk about, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fact is Enterprise found loopholes to tell stories. And we don't have to like it. So like I hated it when they introduced the Ferengi. Yeah. Even though we were never supposed to have seen them until next gen. Yep. Well, technically, we didn't see them because they never said it was the Ferengi, and the Enterprise crew of the NX-01 had no idea what race that was. Yep. So they didn't Wrong. say, hey, we met the Ferengi. Right. But it's plausible in in that fictionalized world. Romulans? Um, Romulans. We never saw and the Romulans. the Borg. Right. I right. mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely um, there's areas of like you like you mentioned in your reply. There's areas of contradictions and inconsistency, but it's still canon. Yeah, I agree. And Star Trek contradicts itself a lot. Yeah. Ultimately, the rights holder says it's canon, and therefore it has to be. Right. We don't we don't have to like it. We don't have to watch it. Right. You know, but saying it's just it's not canon and it's. It only fits in with JJ Trek. It's just I I can't possibly agree with that. I understand that Alan says it's fact and not based on opinion, but unfortunately, it's it's his opinion. 
Yeah. Um, he's entitled to it, you yep. know, and I don't begrudge him that. Like I say, it's the kind of thing we have to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it, as he says, destroys a great deal of what Star Trek truly is at all. I just, I, I don't agree with that. It's not an insult. Either. It's, it's, it's a decently told series with a ripoff of the Akira ship design. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we want to, you know, just because we don't agree, we certainly still want to hear from folks if they have differing opinions. I think it's I think that's one of the things that makes the Star Trek family so important is that you can agree to disagree and still have really good conversations about the things that you disagree on. Well, you know, we all have things that we like in the Star Trek universe. We all have things we dislike. And and we touched that, you know, in this episode in talking about episodes Mm -hmm. that others don't like that we do and, and the reverse. Right. So there's there's more than enough out there to keep everybody happy. It doesn't mean we all have to like everything that's produced. Right. I can appreciate exactly. it on some level because it's their characters in a world that I love and the stories that are told in a creative fashion. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's Star Trek whether I want it to be or not. So I may yep. as well just let it be. Yep. Let, oh, I'm going to start singing now, man. You're welcome for today's earworm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, um, like we said, we truly thank Alan for having sent his feedback to our Facebook page. There are a variety of ways that people can give us feedback, aren't there? Lots of ways. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Oh, you wanted me to talk about those. That that was one of those big market segues that we talk about. That was like, I did a really pro job there. Dan's comments, take two. Okay. Yes. Um, please contact us. Let us know what you think uh, about how we're doing. Let us know what you think about Star Trek as a whole, as Alan did. Um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com or give us a call and leave a voicemail at 508-784-1701. Um, if you want to send Bill an individual tweet, his handle is at trekgeekbill. And if you want to do the same for me, my handle is at DCDDS9, and we would love to hear from you, uh, anybody out there. Guys, girls, aliens, doesn't matter. Send them in. Um, also, please feel free to join the official Facebook group for Trek Geeks, which is called Camp Kittimer. The address is facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. Uh, sign up. We'll let you right in, and we'd love to hear your discussions about Trek. Um, please just remember that any comments or messages you leave us uh, may be used in future episodes, as Alan found out today. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. And also, just a reminder that we have our podcast out there, of course, for everybody to listen to. We do use iTunes, and we would love for you to leave us a review. Uh, if you are uh, on iTunes and are downloading our podcast, whether it's positive or negative, we just would love to hear what you think. So uh, please feel free to uh, leave a review on iTunes for us. And we'd also like to help people discover our podcast. And the best way to do that in iTunes is if people subscribe also um, yep. based on the way the search works. So if you you know, are so kind, you listen to us on iTunes, please do us a favor and click the subscribe button. That way our episodes will start showing up in your feed automatically. And that way others can help find the podcast too. So um, we also have to thank our friends in the band Five Year Mission. Without them, um, this would be a musicless podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> We love their music. We love we love the guys. They're, we had fun meeting up with them in Vegas briefly. Um, we hope you all go out and buy a copy of their Spock's Brain album, which is available now through their website, fiveyearmission.net. And uh, if you could also please tweet Creation Entertainment and CBS and let them know that you want Five Year Mission back as the house band at yeah. Star Trek Las Vegas 2016 for the 50th anniversary. That would be yeah. awesome, and everybody would love it. 
And I, I do mean everybody. Yep, absolutely. So, Dan, with that, we bring episode 36 to a close. And next sure. week, we're back with 37. Wow. I know, huh. right? <laughs> In a row. <laughs> Little clerk's oh reference God. there. No hiatus and no cliffhangers here, folks, that you'd be disappointed with when the next one airs. and until next time we hope you all live long and prosper coconut Mm. Ah. sorry you uh fantastic how was your uh how was your weekend so far good good did you have a good anniversary yes very nice very very relaxing good nice nice and relaxing (laughs) i'm getting the sense that it was nice and relaxing it was relaxingly nice oh that that changes everything yeah (laughs) 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 it was good it was very good did you guys go out to dinner Nope. We stayed in. Uh, um, <clears throat> what did we have last night? Oh, Sue made a new crockpot mac and cheese, which was awesome. All right. So wait a second. So it was your anniversary and she your wanted, wife's birthday. She wanted to do it. And she made dinner? She wanted to do it. It was it was great. Instead, of we we talked about whether to go out or, or do something. And she goes, oh, I want to make that. That crockpot mac and cheese. So it didn't take. She just put the stuff in there and let it cook. And you said, "You're damn right, you do." I said, "Yeah." And then you'll serve it to me. <laughs> wow, what a jerk you are! <laughs> <laughs> no, and then we, uh, uh, Becca worked until uh, uh, eight, so we sat in the living room with the fireplace on and all the lights off, and just had a drink and chilled and relaxed for a few hours, and then picked her up and. Uh, she went to a room like she always does, and and then we went downstairs and watched The Fog. <laughs> wow, like the classic? The, the fog. classic, yep. Did they remake it's, that at some point? Because they remade yes, everything I, else. I won't watch it. I hear it's, it's horrible. It has nothing to do like the original, so. That's too bad. But what's, what's cool is when we have movie night, <clears throat> like the last couple of times we've done it, we've done Halloween movies. Scary movies. Yeah. So what we do is last two nights ago, she went to the our library and she pulled out seven movies and put them behind her back. And then I'd say a number and she'd pull that one out and we don't watch that one. And we keep reducing it until we have one left. So <clears throat> two nights ago, she picked it and we ended up watching the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween, which we just talked about with Houston, which was awesome. It's a great movie. Nice. And then last night I did the same thing, and The Fog was the one that was left, which we both like watching. So we watched that, and it was awesome. Well, that's awesome. Anything with Adrian Barbeau can't be too bad. You know, she she's always been awesome. When she turned up in DS9, I was psyched. I'm like, yes! And I didn't realize it was her origin- at first. Good makeup. I know, right? Yep, yeah, and I love... Uh, 
John Houseman's cameo in the beginning of the fog with his little speech is just oh, so yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I um you know I can tell you and I have gotten old. Because instead of drinking alcohol while we're podcasting, we're drinking coffee. <laughs> well, it's only ten o'clock in the morning. That's never stopped us before. It's noon somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It would have been an interesting podcast last night after my uh several caramel apple martinis. <laughs> you you no. <laughs> so I, I'm I keep all of your intros that I do in its own special doc that you don't have access to on right. the, on the Google right. Drive. Yeah. And I wrote maybe 45 of them. Oh my god. No, 40, 40 cuz this is 36, right? Yeah. And I've got uh I've wrote 41 cuz I've got 5 left. Wow. I've and I I've got to write some creative ones at some point. Yeah, because none of the other ones have been. They've been pretty dumb. What? Yeah. So hey, let me tell you something. What? <laughs> let me just deflect that real quick. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> you know let's, what we started watching? That. Your face. That's a classic, isn't it? No, that's not. Yeah. Okay. We started watching the Flash. The new version. The TV show. Yeah. Okay. Have you, you watched it? You could have meant the old version. I could have gone, Flash! Ah! Savior, Savior of, the of the universe! Um, <laughs> you could have meant the old CBS TV series of The Flash. Oh. No, I, no I, I, I do watch The Flash. I also watch Arrow. I haven't watched Arrow, but I did see the cameo in the first episode. We're only a couple episodes in. It's really good. I you like should, it. You should pick up Arrow. Yeah? Is that yeah. good, too? I really, I didn't think I would like it as much as I do. Okay. All right. But Arrow is sequential, so you will yep. have to start at the beginning. Yes. Yep. Okay. Excellent. It but all, yeah, it all matters. It so far. And hmm? it's funny because it's amazing I like Arrow as much as I do because they tell usually two stories throughout the episode, one that is current day and one that occurs in the past. Oh, really? And they flash back and forth. And that, you know, because we've talked about before how I like linear stories. Right. That doesn't bother me. Wow. Because The Walking Dead drove you crazy. It's because it was terrible. <laughs> okay. 